Are you a people pleaser? As a recovering people pleaser, I am here to talk about this incredibly important topic, how being a people pleaser as a run coach hurts your business. And we're going to get a little raw here, a little vulnerable and really dig into this because if you are someone who has been trying to grow your business or you feel like you are not getting your run coach clients the results they truly deserve, you want to listen to this episode. So much of our success relies on some of these limiting beliefs and these these mindset mindsets that we don't even realize are operating in the background. And when we have these uh, people-pleaser mindset operating in the background of our mind, it affects everything we do. And this simple shift is something that I truly believe has attributed to my success in my business and so much of my self-confidence in my business and in my life. So a 2022 survey by YouGov showed that 50% of people would definitely or probably describe themselves as people pleasers. And what I think is interesting about that is that is that is a self-reported <laughs> measure. And I would say that probably more people are actually people pleasers than that. And then 39% of those people said that it made their lives harder. So I'm here to talk about maybe to help you identify if you are or not. Maybe you're not. Great. Um, But even if you aren't, I still encourage you to listen to this episode because I think that you will be able to understand how even the people you are coaching, if they are people pleasers, how that's going to impact their communication with you and therefore their results with you. And I do think as an athlete myself, a coached athlete, my people pleasing has held me back from a higher level of success in my run coaching communication. I've actually made huge strides in this area this year, so I'm excited to talk about that too. So there's two areas that are going to hold you back if you're a people pleaser. Number one is in your marketing and in your business. And number two is in your coaching. So I'm going to go into some signs of that. But first, a people pleaser, uh, generally, it's not a you know technical diction. I don't even know if it's, it's not in the dictionary term, but it describes a person who consistently strives to please others, often sacrificing their own wants and needs in the process. Most people want to feel loved and valued and especially in close relationships. And they think that people pleasing is going to get them there. The funny part is I did not think I was a people pleaser for a while because actually one of the definitions of a people pleaser is that you are afraid to be viewed as selfish. And that was a recurring thing going on in my childhood as an only child. I heard the word that, you know, people or my mom or it was one of my mom's boyfriends in particular who would like make comments like I was the boss and I was everything was going my way. And I don't know, I had this like self-concept of not wanting to be selfish. And because of that, it took me a while to even identify that I was a people pleaser because I was like, no, I'm selfish. How could I be a people pleaser if I'm selfish? However, those two things, that fear of being selfish is actually a sign of being a people pleaser. So hopefully you're on the same track with me here, but let's dive in. So becoming a people pleaser is going to come from different parts of your life. So for me, I have a few things that I can look back and see um, caused this feeling. So I'm an only child, as I said, I have divorced parents and I only saw my dad every other weekend. And I really associate, me and my dad have very similar personalities. We're both, I know he's an Enneagram three. I don't know if you've taken the Enneagram test, but threes tend to be people pleasers. So go take the test if you're curious. And I, I always valued, you know, doing what I thought was going to give me success. So he would give me like quizzes 
on how to, you know, quizzes on my math timetables, my, I learned how to type and he gave me this like typing test. And if I got a certain number on the typing test, then I got rewarded. I would, we would go to, you know, Chuck E. Cheese or we would go to Disneyland. Like they were pretty awesome rewards. Or I'd get cash. Like I remember getting 80, like I could, I got as many dollars as I could type words per minute. And I could type like 80 words per minute. And so I got $80. So I was just constantly striving for this, these rewards and this success, which is really why I think I'm an Enneagram three at the end of the day. But that was one of the things that I came from people pleasing. It was just wanting to get love and attention for getting those good grades and for achieving things. And then second, this also went into as a, a driven, hardworking personality that I having that hardworking personality that I had growing up, I often, again, was seen as like one being too much. Like I wanted, I wanted too much or I felt like I was, I had to tame my personality down. And this especially um, came into play, you know, in a school setting where I knew I could have thrived. I could have gotten even better grades. I always got good grades, but there was a part of me that wanted to like fit in with everyone else. And so would like almost take that, take my intensity down a notch to fit in. And in middle school, I was bullied by a, a few girls um, in particular, in seventh, sixth, seventh, I mean, fifth, sixth, seventh, all different girls. And again, I wanted so bad to fit in. I always had close friends, but I just never was the cool kid at school. And I so wanted it. I wanted to fit in. I wanted to please others. And it's ironic because so much of what probably caused me to not be popular and not be fitting in was the fact that I was just taming down who I was to try to water down and fit in. And I know we can look back and like everyone as a child and in middle school and high school does this into to some extent. Some people totally revolt and are like, screw you guys, I'm just gonna do whatever I want and be who I am. But that takes a lot of self-confidence. So those are just some examples of from my childhood of ways, the things that I think led to some of the people pleasing in my life. Um, but there's a lot of things that can cause people pleasing. <laughs> childhood experiences, like I just said, social conditioning, fear of rejection, low self-esteem, lack of assertiveness skills, or cultural and familiar, familiar or your family expectations. Um, but here's some general signs of people pleasing is always saying yes, or saying yes, your gut instinct to be say yes all the time. Like, do you guys get an evite from your kid's school? And I feel like I have to say yes. I'm like, it feels so, like lately I've been like really being empowered by saying no to the school parties and saying, no, I'm not going to, the, we're not going to the school party. Like we don't have time to go to all these things. But generally people pleasers are like, yeah, I can do that. Sure, I can do that. Like if you, uh, people pleasers are often great employees, right? They're like, sure, I'll take on that. Yeah, I can do more. Um, another sign is being concerned about what other people think, like being very overly concerned about your image or what others' opinions are, feeling like, you need to do things to make people happy and that'll help earn their approval. Struggling to be honest about your feelings. And I know this is something, you know, we can glaze over how you're feeling just because you want to please others and don't want them to bring attention to it. If you apologize a lot, and I have worked with, I can think of a, quite a few women that I know that are just constantly apologizing for everything. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's like the first word that comes out of their mouth. And then being sensitive to rejection. Um, that was a big one for me. Again, going back to the bullying and feeling like an outsider in those situations. And I see that coming up as an adult. And then 
almost like putting myself into wanting to be part of everything and wanting to be accepted into every circle and every group, even though when I like take a step back and think about it, I'm like, no, I actually don't want to be friends with those people. Right. But I'm just like, want them to want to be friends with me. It's so crazy. So if you're nodding your head and you're thinking, okay, this is sounding familiar. We can, we can keep going and we can, let's talk specifically about how people pleasing it or signs of people pleasing related to run coaching or being a business owner in the running space or in the fitness or health space. Number one is, so we're two areas, marketing and then coaching. So this could be the thing that is holding you back from really improving your marketing techniques and improving your marketing reach and finding your ideal client is these this people-pleasing attitude. So if you're afraid to speak up when others don't agree, when you don't agree with a training philosophy, philosophy or take a strong or you don't want to, you're afraid to take a strong stance on your training philosophy, that can be a sign that you're pe- that you're people-pleasing. So for example, there are so many different training philosophies. Run coaching is not that yes there is science there is a lot of studies that have been done there are there's studies to support a lot of different opinions though right and there's also your unique experience coaching so if you have a philosophy about something you actually want to be extremely clear about that philosophy because you're going to attract the cl- the athletes who resonate with that so as I, I think I've shared this before, but I'm really resonating lately with um, Andrew Snow from Run Elite. He wrote this book. I'm like jamming down to this book. I love his philosophy and he is extremely bold and he's pretty controversial on a few things. And because of that boldness and that controversy, I am drawn to him. It's not a generic post or a book that's saying, here's how you do intervals, how you, here's how you improve your lactate threshold. He's taking a bit of a controversial mindset. And that is drawing me to him, a high achieving runner who has big goals. I'm drawn to that. So whatever your philosophy is, maybe your philosophy is the complete opposite of Andrew Snow. And you think running should be all about having fun and enjoying and the thing that, and it doesn't matter if you're elite and you know, you, you believe in first and foremost, whatever it is, you need to have that strong philosophy and that stance on what you want. The second thing is you think about certain, like maybe you do a post and you think about whether or not it's going to be approved or rejected by like a certain run coach that you admire, right? I know that one time I did a post about, because you know me, I'm a strength training and running hybrid coach. I do run coach. I do um, hybrid groups that incorporate strength training and running. So I'm not a traditional run coach, but I do am a run coach that incorporates strength training and running. And I remember once I did a reel that had, um, it talked about strength training and it had, a, you know, some kind of tip or opinion. And this run coach, male run coach commented uh, a basically that he didn't agree with me. And that's fine. <laughs> It's fine to disagree, right? But it triggered me, of course. And I thought about him or other coaches' opinions of my content, not just then, but like I realized I've been thinking, of, I've been like worrying what they're gonna think. And you ha- you can't let that fear of, a, of, and this is my next point, is if you worry about the hater comments, right? Or you worry about someone being annoyed by you, or maybe you don't even worry about comments, you worry about 
what's your friend going to say? Or what's your neighbor going to think when they see your post? Like, I know I have a mom from the school that's been watching my stories lately and I see her stuff and I'm like, I like her. And I was like, we could be friends. And I am like, I find myself sometimes thinking, I wonder what she thinks about my, my marketing or what I'm putting out there on social media. So these are all, again, signs. And is it like, you're never going to get rid of some of these limiting beliefs. But the reason I'm bringing it up is because this is hurting your business. The result of these act, these actions and these fears is you don't realize how subtle it is, but what results is your soft, watery marketing. You do posts that don't draw anyone in. They're too generic. They're too basic. You're not showing your personality. You're not showing your training philosophy. You're not, sh- you're afraid to do, you know, a, you're afraid to do a strong call to action. You're afraid to do a, a reel that uses a hook because you're going to think, oh, people think, what if someone thinks I'm trying to trick them into, because that's one of my fears for sure is like with my marketing, I don't want to ever, anyone to ever think I'm like tricking them into buying something they don't need. But then I'm like, wait, no, I know what I, what I, what I offer can help someone. It may be, it's not going to help every single person, not the right fit for everyone, but you have to believe deep down in your offer, what you are get, what you are providing, and you got to be bold in marketing it. You got to be bold. And that's my word for this year. And I'll get to that, but bold in your marketing and on social media. Now it is really hard to stand out unless you stand for something. You can't stand out if you don't stand for something. And maybe you need to write that down if you're feeling like, yes, nodding your head. Yes, Nicole, this is speaking to me because I know I needed to hear this years ago. And I'm still working on it. I'm still working on it, but identifying it is the first step. So I have a little personal story of this. And here, this is one of those things that when it happens to you, it's literally mortifying. It was one of the most... It was one of the things that almost caused me to stop pursuing my dreams or my passion of doing exactly what I'm doing right now, which is sharing my story with you. When I first started my blog, fitnessfatale.com, which is how I created my run coaching and body business, um, this was before I had a business. This was just when I was blogging. This had nothing to do with business. I was just blogging. I'm just out there sharing my life on my blog. And... At the time, I thought I was, you know, you know, I would look at other blogs and like kind of compare. And I know the blogs I liked were those people who were super bold. They were funny. They were like relatable. They were talking about things that I was scared to talk about. And I liked those blogs. But my blog gained some amount of traction. It was definitely not one of the most popular ones for this reason. I was watering myself down. I was watering myself down, being generic and making content that was not mind-blowing um, because I was scared of what people would think. And the ironic part is that watery content caused criticism. So there was a, a website called GoMe, which was like, get off my internet. And I somehow stumbled upon this forum that had been created about my blog and some troll sitting on the internet with no nothing else to do but talk crap on people posted a forum about me and my blog and said that I was, that my blog was really boring and it hurt so bad. It like, I heard, like I read it and then they, you know, then people, other people are chiming in 
and writing really mean things about my appearance, about my life. And this is, thank God, before I was a mom, because if it was something about my child, I would have literally, I don't know, you can't find these people because they're anonymous, but it hurt really bad. And the reason, who knew, who would have thought I would be sharing this to you right now? But um, years later, you know, as I have made this a career, but I remember like that sinking feeling of like, I'm not enough. Like I, I suck this, like they're obviously, they see right through me. This must be what everyone thinks. Right. Um, but ironically, let's go back. This was, first of all, you're going to have haters no matter what. So the funny, the ironic part is that literally me being afraid of, of people disagreeing with me and, and having haters is the exact reason why I got haters. So let's just talk about that. But second, I do want to say, they, you know, the, the more people that love you, the more people that hate you. And you just have to understand that. And I think there's a lot fewer people that hate you than you think. And there's going to be someone out there that's not going to like the sound of my voice on the podcast. There's going to be someone that doesn't like what I'm saying. They don't agree with my stance. They don't agree with you. They don't agree with your running philosophy. And they think that the way that you wear your shorts is weird. I swear it's the weirdest place on the internet, but you have to not care. You have to not care. You have to have that goal, that vision of the women that you can help through your run coaching business. I'm saying women, the people that you're going to help through your run coaching business and the fa- your family and what your family's life is going to be like when and you change your life in who- through this business. And when you become the person that you're meant to be and you stop people pleasing, you're going to be a better parent. You're going to be a better wife. You're going to be a better, you're going to be a better runner. You're going to be a better at everything in your life. And so the step one is to realize and accept that not everyone will love you. I know there's like a Casey Musgraves song that talks about like not being everyone's cup of tea and it's true. So whatever you need to do to do personal development around this area, if it's really resonating with you, um, I mean, that's my, one of my number one tips is you got to do personal development on this concept of getting more bold, knowing that you are worth, you're, you're worth something and that there are people that are going to be drawn to you, but you got to be you and you got to show, you got to share your opinions. When your marketing is soft and watery or worse, you're kind of like not even giving you're you're not portraying your true self. You're going to attract, you might, you may attract athletes to you and you probably have, if you're a run coach, you have some amount of athletes, but at the end of the day, they're probably not the ones that you're actually really excited to work with. The ones that you're really excited to work with are those ones who are like nodding their heads, going to your page and literally binging it because they're like, I can't get enough of this person. And they are just drawing me in with who they are. So if and when you decide to be more bold and change your marketing, yeah, you might get a few people who don't like it. You might get some unfollows, but I guarantee if you keep going, you're going to get more of the right people coming to you and likely way more people coming to you. All right. So now that we've talked about how marketing, your marketing is affected by your people pleasing, let's talk about the actual coaching. So as a coach myself, I bo- I coach two types of people. I coach runners and women who are want to strength train and do running. And I also coach other women who want to build a business. And I've coached over two, three, I should look at the exact numbers, at least 200 women starting and growing their business. 
And um, I myself have coached over a thousand people in my run, or actually more than 2000 people in my run coaching business or my business that combines strength training and running. So I am, I know this again, I am, I am working not as closely as a one-on-one run coach does, but I do feel like with my business, with my business mentorship, I'm working even more closely than a run coach does with their people. And um, I have to say that when these are some of the signs that you are letting the people pleasing affect who you are as a coach. So Maybe you let your athletes off the hook or go easy on them um, when they're not being consistent with their training, or maybe they ghost, or they they keep you know falling short of their goals, and you kn- kind of know why, or you have a feeling, but you don't give them feedback. I don't know if that resonates with you, but it definitely, um, I find there was like this limiting belief for me for a while that I've now overcome that like I have some kind of crazy like extra work ethic or like I work harder or like I'm willing to put in more hard work and therefore some people don't and that's just their personality and I can't like I can't change them if they don't want to put in the work and there is an element of that there's like you cannot you cannot you gotta lead you can't You can get the water, but you can't lead the horse to the water, right? In that sense. But at the same time, there's this nuance, right? This slight shift where someone says, hey, I'm struggling with this. What do you think? And you water down, again, watering down your your response or saying, it's okay. Try again next time. But if you keep saying, it's okay, try again next time, and they keep doing it, are you brave enough and bold enough to call them out? And this is where it can get uncomfortable, right? Because what if they're angry? What if they experience emotion? And they might, they might experience emotion, but that's okay. Because the right athlete will, or in my case, the right business person will take your feedback and they will think about it and then they will change or they will try. And if we don't give them that opportunity, then they're just going to be spinning their wheels and not succeeding which is then obviously not going to be great for you either. So the next thing is not asking for feedback from your athletes to make your coaching more effective or better. So if you're never like, this is a sign. So if you're never doing like surveys of your athletes or asking them what you can do to improve as a coach, because you're probably doing that because you fear what they're going to say. So make sure that that's part of your business is asking for that feedback because that's how we become better in every way, right? Is asking, what can I do better? What can I improve on? How am I, how can I serve you better? So another sign of people pleasing in your, that is affecting your coaching is that you fear looking selfish or unworthy when pricing. So this is a big one. Um, you I don't want, definitely listen to my pricing episode, which was the last episode. And then also download my pricing guide. And we work through this in my Runner Rising Academy as well. I will coach you on this. And, but that is a big fear is like you fear looking greedy or selfish or unworthy of higher prices. And I talk all about how that impacts your business and your athletes in the previous episode. So the last one is you overcommit and overdeliver to the point of depleting yourself. I struggle with this with my business um, is, you know, really wanting to do it for them and wanting to give people 
everything so that they will feel like they're getting what I promised them. And this is something that you can really lead to burnout, especially if it's paired with the low, the low pricing. Um, you're overcommitting and it can lead to you feeling a little bitter towards your people that you're coaching because you're saying, I'm putting in so much work and you're not doing what you said and or whatever, you know, and that's not a good place to come from as a coach. So, um, you know, if this people pleasing is showing up in your coaching, you're, you're not giving your athletes the coaching they truly need and you're probably too overwhelmed to properly coach them to make enough money. <laughs> so, um, it's, it's tough. And this is, you know, that tough love episode and probably one that I myself would not have been bold enough to share even a few years ago. So growth is, you know, recognizing where your how this people pleasing is actually not helping you. It's actually hurting you is like the step number one. Um, how this show, like I, I mentioned this as well, but this showed up for me um, the people pleasing in my coaching in, especially in the early days of my business and just really letting people off the hook, um, going easy on them. And at the end of the day, like people, when they hire a coach, they want accountability, right? And I, I actually surveyed at one point, it really helps sometimes. So this is a little tip is like asking your athletes or the people you're coaching. So for, their permission. Ask for their permission to give honest feedback. So I was running a group um, a couple years ago and I actually on the intake form said, do you want me to call you out when you don't show up? And I had like, yes, please call me out. Be be as blunt or bold, whatever. I didn't say bold or blunt, blunt as possible, like do it. And then another one said, yes, but please like be nice or like I didn't say be nice, but like be be uh, gentle or something. And then I said like, no, I don't want feedback. 90% of people said, yes, tell me like it is. 10% of people said, okay, go easy on me, right? But everyone wanted the feedback. They wanted the coaching. So the best people want feedback. I know personally in my life and through my, I've always sought out mentors. I've paid for coaches and for um, masterminds and like, I ask for feedback because I don't often get it from people. I don't often get someone saying, hey, you could do this better, right? So I appreciate that. So, but when you are doing it, you can always ask permission to coach someone. So for example, say, you know, say that you see your athlete doing the same thing week after week and you know, like they keep skipping their strides. Something simple, let's just say. You just ask for permission. Say, hey, Emily, <laughs> I've been looking over your form, your thing, your, you know, your, um, your data. And I noticed that it looks like you keep skipping the strides. Like what, what's causing that? Here's why I think you should be doing, this is a very basic example. Here's why I think you should, or no, so I would say, would you ask, would you mind? I forgot to say the part about the asking for permission. So you say, could I give you some coaching on this? And even if it seems silly to ask for permission, it helps. And it, I mean, it definitely helps in the group setting as well. So even today I was coaching some um, business owners and I will ask for permission 
to coach them, especially in a group setting so they don't feel like they're getting called out necessarily, but I'm giving them that bold feedback. All right, so if you are resonating with this and you're like kind of identifying, okay, it's definitely showing up for me in these areas, how do you change? And I will say it takes time for sure. Um, This is obviously something that's been ingrained in you for a long time. And if you've been a run coach for a while, it's also ingrained and you probably, you know, you'll have to make some shifts in order to, in order to correct. And the longer we've been doing something, the harder it is to change, but that doesn't mean you can't. So number one is recognizing it. So, and how it impacts you. So I'd encourage you after listening to this podcast or at some point, maybe during your morning and you have a morning routine, like I do, whenever you do any journaling, it's just to really write down, like, what are all the areas that you resonated with from this, that you see yourself doing this. And then I want you to dig a little level deeper and go back like those stories I shared with you. Where did this come from? Like, where is it coming from? Um, Again, therapy is also helpful, but I, you know, it can be just literally a journaling exercise of where, why am I doing this? And sometimes it just takes you being like, ah, like obviously is my dad giving me incentives for doing, for trying and trying to please him when I only got to see him every other weekend. And I wanted his, you know, I wanted to be the perfect daughter that just did everything he said. Whereas like, did I really want to do that? I mean, I am pretty motivated to do things like, I mean, I'm obsessed with Duolingo. So it's like, (laughs) because of the little prizes I get every night. So it was like largely my personality that he was using to like, get me to do these tasks because my stepsister never did them. But it was also like, I didn't ask myself, like, do I really want to do this? You know, it was like me trying also to please my dad who I didn't see very, ever, very often. And then again, like if I hadn't been bullied in middle school, would I have been able to feel more comfortable being myself in high school and later on? So kind of doing that little dive and I know it can feel uncomfortable. Sometimes it can feel pointless to go back, um, but it could be a good discussion for you to have. Maybe send this episode to another, a run coach or a friend and like kind of geek out over it, maybe have some drinks, (laughs) but okay. The next thing is setting a goal around being better. So I don't know if you set a word for the year and I always do. And honestly, a lot of times I kind of forget about it, but this year I have been the best and it helped because my friend Allison gave me a hat um, to help represent my word. And my word this year is bold. And partially because I know that this people pleasing can, you know, continues to be a, an issue for me, but since choosing the word bold this year, I have been intentionally taking actions in all areas of my life. As far as, you know, speaking up, when you don't want something, oh my gosh, the worst is when you, you know, someone asks you if you're the type of person, like, so again, going back to more of my stories of how this, this, if you're the type of person who ghosts people when you went on dates, instead of actually telling them you didn't like them, okay, I'm raising my hand. That's a sign you're a people pleaser. So I'm going as far this year into doing things like that, like being very honest with people when I no longer want their services or I'm not interested. I'm being, I'm purposely putting myself out of my comfort zone to put in those situations so that I can get better. I also, I wrote a, um, again, Andrew Snow, I'm very into his 
book and his philosophy and I'm really jiving with it and it's really helping me and I've made some nutritional shifts this this year um to help me you know lose weight in order to run a faster time and my boss I want to qualify for Boston again with a bigger buffer and there is a definitely a big a large controversy about weight loss as it relates to running and there's it's a very nuanced subject and it's something that can be taken differently and I myself having dealt with disordered eating in the past I already know that that is sensitive to people. So I didn't want to, you know, that word, I was almost said, didn't want to offend anyone with my decision, you know, with my sharing that part of my story that I'm in right now. But I thought, you know what, this doesn't serve me to hold back and to not share. So I wrote a newsletter about the effect of your running weight or your race weight and running and nutrition and how it helps you recover faster and all that. And I was super nervous to send it. I actually thought about writing it as a as an Instagram post first, but I had that thought, like, what if some, you know, what if some dietitian comes on and talks crap? <laughs> and that's their, you know, and that's okay because that is their. This is what I had to tell myself. That is their opinion, right? This we can have different opinions, and it's okay. So, anyways, I sent this newsletter, which was the first step because I was like, my newsletter, con- you know, I have eight thousand people on my newsletter, and these people came to me for a reason. They connect with me on this topic. It felt like a safe place to share. So, I would say that like sharing your bold opinions in places that feel a little safer first can really help before you go big. So then, it, like the next step might be an Instagram post. Posts rarely go viral. So I could do an Instagram post about this. The last would be like, okay, I can do a reel about this because reels are those ones that can go viral, which I've had go viral. One of my most vo- vo- my most vulnerable reel I've ever made about, again, about I was awkward in high school. I showed a picture of my awkward high school days when I went to homecoming with my best friend. And then I showed my 20 year reunion with my hot husband and I made a pretty bold, vulnerable, I wrote a very vulnerable caption and it went, it's like my most viral reel of all time. It has 3 million views and I was just dying. I'm like, of course, the reel that like I literally didn't really want that many people to see is the one that everyone has saw. And you know what? It's got a few and whatever and not nice comments and I just, I have to not care, right? So maybe start small on like your boldness and then move your way up. But like really ask yourself, like, what is my philosophy? What is, what are the things I'm passionate about? And what are some of the things that I feel like if I talked about more might draw my ideal athlete in to like towards me would draw them to me. Right. So I'm attracted to Andrew Snow, but not actually attracted. But You know what I mean? I'm attracted to his content because he is hardcore. He's like elite. And that like draws me in. It might not draw someone else in. It definitely turns other people off, but it draws me in. So be a little bit more bold or set an intention, whether it's bold like mine, you can, and I would love if you actually do set a word. If you would tell me, you can message me on runner rising, runner underscore rising on Instagram, um, or send me an email, but I would love to hear if you do a word and then do more things that scare you. Do more things that push you out of your comfort zone and say no to more things. Stop apologizing. Stop apologizing. When you hear yourself apologize, you have to actually shift your language. So I, for example, I, I actually, well, one place that I've tried to make this work is just in my language in terms of when I, when I'm working towards a goal, instead of saying, if I achieve it, I try to say, I, I shift my language to win. So every time I catch myself saying, if I run a sub 330, 
I switch to saying when I run my sub 330, when I go to Boston. So that's can be the same for you with apologizing. So if you are about to say, if you apologize, you can, you can hold the brakes and say, no, actually, and take it back. Or even now you can edit things on Facebook Messenger. And I think on Instagram, you can edit your response. So just don't apologize and move forward. So I want you to notice how it feels. And when you do do like are more bold, less people pleasing, encourage yourself, give yourself some good feedback. I know I've been telling my friends and my husband about the things that I've done that are bold and it feels really good. And just remember, people want to follow and be coached by people who offer a unique perspective and are confident, bold, and are willing to give feedback. And if you want to achieve excellence as a run coach, you want to be the type of run coach that has a wait list, that has people who are excited to work with you. You may you have so much demand that you have to do group coaching in addition to your one-on-one coaching, or you have to, you know, you're getting you're making um, you're making run schedules and people are downloading them and paying for them and paying a premium for them. You have to be bold. You have to put aside the people pleasing. You got to stop worrying about what people think and you have to go out there and go freaking do it. All right. Thank you for listening. If this was helpful, please consider following and give following the podcast, giving it a five star review and If you're a people pleaser, your pricing might be a little too low. So make sure that you check out my last episode, download the free pricing guide on runnerrising.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would love some feedback. So please send me a message. And if you have any other things that you, um, topics that you really are interested in or guests that you would love to see on the podcast, please offer feedback, give me suggestions. And if you are interested in one of my five one-on-one spots for coaching um, to help you build your business to the run coaching business of your dreams, please don't hesitate to reach out. That is a limited time offer where I'll be offering 50% off and giving you the complete roadmap to growing your run coaching business along with one-on-one coaching, reading over your posts, your email template, or giving you email templates, giving you the one-on-one feedback to let you know whether they look right or wrong, or if you need to tweak anything and encouraging you along the way. So um, if you're interested in that, please go to runnerrising.com as well. And I hope you have a great day.